Hello everybody and welcome to the 33rd episode of Totem Talks. My name is Mark Smith. I'm Helen Fruin. And you're looking fabulous today. Why, thank you very much. No problem. Today we're going to be talking about psychological safety, mm. which I'll admit kind of bamboozled me a little bit. I thought <laughs> initially we would be talking about something to do with coaching or counselling perhaps. Ah. But having done a little bit of research, it appears that psychological safety is a specific term to the workplace. Now, why have we chosen psychological safety this week? I thought it would be interesting because I've got two clients who are really big on this at the moment. The uh, research from Google came out five, Mm -hmm. six years ago. Um, But, you know, as always with these things, people discover them at different times. And I've got two clients in particular at the moment who are really big on it, wanting to explore with their teams how to improve psychological safety in their teams. So I thought, let's share it. Let's talk about it. Now, a quick summary of Mm. psychological safety does suggest that it's very similar to Lencioni's um, teamwork stuff. Yes. Uh, That's Patrick Lencioni, and we've used some of his products before, so Mm -hmm. highly recommend going there. I'll put a link in the description below. But what was the summary of Google's study um, compared to his? Bless Google, I guess it's in their nature. They want to have an algorithm for something. So they were looking at what made the best team. If there was like this perfect, you know, get somebody with a PhD, two extroverts, three introverts, and then someone who's really good at X, Y, Z, and that's your perfect team. That's what they were wanting to discover. And so they've gone around Google looking at what the best teams are doing, how they're operating looking to find that kind of data but what they found was that it wasn't anything to do with the individuals on a team that made Mm -hmm. the team high performing it were these five characteristics and as you say sounding very similar to Patrick Lencioni's work on the five dysfunctions of a team the one that they found was most important was this psychological safety and again to Lencioni his foundational point his first point in five dysfunctions of a team is about trust And that's what, you know, psychological safety is about trusting that I can make a mistake and not be, you know, really punished or criticized for making a mistake. Trusting that I can be honest about the fact that I'm struggling with something. That's what psychological safety means. And so it is very similar to Patrick Lencioni's trust uh, piece. So it seems quite heavily reliant on self-awareness, as always. As always. It sounds quite heavily reliant on authenticity within the workplace, Mm. vulnerability as well. Um, So how do we go about establishing those? Um, Do we have to establish them? Are they behaviors that we have to show and demonstrate and sort of lead the team in that direction? How do we encourage it within others? Mm. Um, Things like that. So there's a few steps here that I would recommend if you wanted to improve the psychological safety of your team. One would be to have conversations about psychological safety. You know, what if you were to share that you've been reading up on this? What if you were to go and read Patrick Lencioni's book? Or we can put a link as well below to the Google research so you can go read a bit more about that. Um, So share with your team. I've been reading about this. I think this is really important. I wonder if we could be better at this. What do you think? There's something about having a conversation about it. So often people come to me looking for this quick win or Mm. magic way of doing something that somehow bypasses having the conversation we've got to have the conversation 
if I wanted to say to you, I want us to have greater psychological safety in our workplace. I want people to feel more comfortable making mistakes because it's only by making mistakes that we take risks, learn, find better ways of doing things. I need to have a conversation with you about us looking to encourage that. Mm-hmm. So that would be my first point, have a conversation about it. Uh, there's then some really useful resources online about asking people specific questions about, well, how do you feel now? Like when you make a mistake, how, how does that feel for you? What kind of response do you get from me as your manager? Uh, what kind of response do you get from your colleagues? How comfortable do you feel taking a risk and trying something different? Mm-hmm. So have those conversations as well about specifically exploring what the levels of safety are already and then from there you've talked about authenticity and and we've talked in the past about vulnerability and leaders going first with being vulnerable if i want to show that i'm all about honesty making mistakes taking risks then i need to go first to say i've made a mistake and you know, part of me is really feeling guilty or panicked about making a mistake, but part of me knows as well that that's the only way we learn. So I wanted to share with you all, I've made a mistake. This is what's happened. Uh, So I'm role modeling then the behavior that I'm looking for. Uh, And it was interesting, one of my coaching clients who really wants to improve psychological safety in his team had someone do that. Someone in his team has spoken up in a team meeting in front of everyone else I'm really struggling with this. I'm not sure I know how to do X, Y, Z. And it's those opportunities to say, that's what I'm looking for. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being open about what you're struggling with. How do we as a team support you? And sort of spotting people doing things the right way in terms of psychological safety and magnifying that, celebrating that. Sure. Um, I mean... It's not that I don't agree with psychological safety. I do. Um, I think one of the things I'm very conscious of on this podcast is the content you could argue is aimed at the white collar worker. Mm-hmm. You know, the office based, mm-hmm. working in a team. I'm going to suggest, therefore, vaguely middle class. Um, but what about the. Uh, Everybody else, frankly, mm. you know, the people who are, who are emptying bins, who are running, um, you know, the, the plumbers. Or how do you encourage um, those demographics to demonstrate psychological safety? In fact, is it important for them not to do those mm. things in certain circumstances? Absolutely. I mean, we, we work with a waste management company where you get something wrong there. You're talking health and safety disaster. You're talking people dying. You to, to say, oh yeah, we're, we really encourage mistakes is not the place where you want to be. But even there, what they do want to encourage is people speaking up about concerns. And in fact saying, I've noticed a risk in the way that we're managing this truck that could cause a death. Mm-hmm. And people don't feel comfortable speaking up about those things because they worry that you know, people don't like being challenged. People don't like people moaning. It's not moaning. It's it's highlighting a risk that can then be managed. So perhaps it's then about context specific. Psychological safety in one environment might be, let's take risks, let's make mistakes. In another environment, it might be, let's not make mistakes when it comes to health and safety, doing everything properly. Let's be then uh, open to taking risks or challenging our ways of doing things without fear of being criticized for that or shot down for speaking up Mm -hmm. 
I can talk about this from the consultancy perspective of how we advise clients and conversations we're having. I wonder from your experience of managing a factory, how does that stuff play out in that environment? Um, it, I imagine it, it has hopefully changed a little bit, but certainly when I was in the factory environment, it was very male orientated, male dominated. Uh, there was a clear alpha vibe going off across the entire place. Um, but the most effective leaders within that factory uh, were the personable ones. And to, to some degree, uh, watching them do their work and watching how they encourage their teams to perform is kind of what sparked my interest in psychology. It's what encouraged me to leave Toyota in the first place, partly. Um, and building relationships with your the team that you're working with or who works under you um, starts with vulnerability, openness, a sense of humor. And I think we come back to this point a few times over the podcast journeys we've been on, that if you're not a people person, you're not going to be a good manager of people. It's really as fundamental as that. And that's a challenge for a lot of people, I think, and and that's that's fair enough because a lot of people are promoted into management roles based on their skill of of the work, not actually their ability to manage people. And I think that's where we as businesses get it wrong when we're promoting people internally. Totally. Um, Worrying statistic from Gallup that only two in ten people have really got what it takes to be a good people manager. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes perfect sense. That's why we have a consultancy. Exactly. <laughs> We're trying to help the 8 out of 10 do better. Exactly. That's why we have a job. Um, and so that kind of makes sense. But yeah, seeing, seeing uh, you know, men motivate other men in that environment, and it was in that environment, men, um, it wasn't, it, it, the alpha males commanded in a very different way. Mm. Uh, the, I would imagine it'd be interesting to see the stats in terms of who who was the most effective in terms mm. of productivity and efficiency, but in terms of general well-being of the gents who were working in within the different teams, you could see, you could walk onto a, any different part of the line within Toyota, and you knew how the team leader was running his shop, and you wanted to work in the places where it was a bit more friendly, a bit more relaxed. There was that openness and. That's, you know, I guess that was a, an early flavor of psychological society, uh, safety. I don't think we had that definition back then. Uh, so, yeah, really, really fascinating kind of early insight into how you can manage different teams with different styles. And because mm. Toyota was so big, you, you know, you just go for a little wonder and you, you could see all kinds of, of management styles mm. on, on, on display. And you can just see which ones were working and which ones were not. Um, I th- part of the reason I left Toyota, in fact, was that I'm not entirely sure how to describe it, but it was this continuous push for improvement, productivity, and efficiency. Words that I am complete—I've got them tattooed <laughs> to the inside of my head. I mean, they are—they are really important words to me. But it completely ignored the human equation. Mm. It completely ignored, you know, the the chap two cars down who's getting a divorce. It ignored the guy who's got, you know, kids who aren't behaving properly at home. And when you bring the human element into the the workspace equation, it starts to get fabulous and messy and all kinds of interesting. And 
no matter how many metrics you put to various different things, you, you can never really account for it. And that constant enigma, seemingly unsolvable, um, is, is what's really interested me, jumping over here. And psychological safety uh, was, was the trigger, I think. Brilliant. And it's fascinating how, you know, initially you're talking about a, a team leader being personable, friendly, having a sense of humour. You know, those aren't specific things to encouraging people to speak up or uh, saying it's okay when someone makes a mistake. But it's certainly linked, right, that if you're that kind of friendly, approachable team leader. Yeah. It yeah. would suggest that I can approach you and say, I'm not sure how to do this, or I think I've made a mistake. Please, can you help me fix it? Yeah, I mean, you know, psychological safety, for me, the word safety is the absence of fear. Mm. And if you have any doubts about the uh, the friendliness of your team leader, you're not going to take those concerns to him. Yeah. So when we talk about psychological safety, it's the, it's the safety piece, right? Mm. So what is safety? It's absence of fear. It's, it's, it's permission to fail most importantly I think um, and I think also within safety there's a there's a clear dynamic in terms of the relationship mm-hmm. I don't think uh, safety exists in a sort of we'll just bumble through together we're not really sure of whose role is what we can't really assign okay. responsibility anyway that 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 for me is not a safe environment I think because we need clarity we need clarity and I think where, where reporting lines are clear where processes are clear that also creates a sense of safety. Mm. When people are clear and certain about what they need to do, when, how, how to manage the inevitable mistake, that's the most, it's one of the most important mm. things, I should think, as much as being um, free from fear. Really interesting. It's that whole kind of boundaries piece that, yeah, we, we do operate best with some structure, with some clarity. We do. Mm. I want to go back to something I said earlier about uh, a coaching client who had someone in a meeting speak up and say, I'm, I'm really struggling with something. And I was saying, you know, that's such a great opportunity to call that person out. Yes, that's what we need. That's fantastic. And what came up in that conversation with my coaching client was that other people in the team were self-deprecating. Mm. And I want to be very clear of the difference between self-deprecating banter, which is not psychological safety, and being honest about something I'm not sure how to do, which is good psychological safety. So if I'm uh, preparing to run a podcast with you and I say, oh, well, I'm rubbish at doing podcasts anyway, you know, I'm, I'm not really creating a space there where I'm saying, actually, Mark, I'm not sure about what we're going to cover in the podcast today. I'm, I'm not really sure that I'm okay with the technology. Could we spend some time preparing for that? That's a good psychological safety conversation. I'm, I'm raising a concern with you. I'm trusting you to help me through that. Mm-hmm. Whereas that kind of self-deprecating banter where I say, well, I'm rubbish at podcasts anyway. Are you supposed to say, oh, no, you're not. You're great. Or are you, like, what what kind of response are you supposed to give to that? Yeah, I mean, if I put my, my counselling hat on for that, um, you know, self-deprecating humour is useful 2% of the time. After that, and particularly if you've got a constant need for doing it, you, you've got you've got an issue. Yeah. You've got a, a confidence issue. You've got a, all kinds of little things perhaps niggling. Go and see somebody 
Um, well, we're usually using humour to deflect. Yeah, absolutely. From the real issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's 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 a vulnerability piece in there that you you're not willing to expose. So you're using yeah. self-deprecating humour to to get rid of that. It's not helpful in the team environment. Self, not at all. Self-deprecating humour. It's um. And so I find it quite frustrating. In fact, I'm getting yeah yeah. I've, I can think of one or two people who, if I if I could go back in a little time ship, I would be like, no, yeah. dude, stop. Yeah. Actually. So I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that and to say. When are we using that self-deprecating humour? When do we need to challenge ourselves that that's not helpful and stop doing it? And who in our team is doing that? Mm. And maybe even saying, oh, look at me. I'm good at this psychological safety stuff because I'm honest about my weaknesses. No, you're not honest about your weaknesses. You're using this kind of banter, which just makes other people feel awkward, not helpful. Stop doing it. If you want to be honest about something you're struggling with, do it in a very different way. Mm. Out of curiosity, what are your weaknesses? <laughs> <laughs> I have none. I'm <laughs> perfect. Oh, I could give the interview response. Sometimes I'm too much of a perfectionist. Sometimes I can be too modest. These are classic interview classic, responses yeah. to those questions. Uh, my weaknesses uh, come up in various different areas. So there's one around uh, structure being organized I have learned to manage that effectively enough in some areas of my life uh, I'll still have clients where I'll turn up at the last minute and say oh we can go with the flow and you can see that the client saying no I don't want to go with the flow so for me to be able to adapt and be more structured more organized uh, is helpful um, so as I say I've, I've learned some ways of overcoming that but I could, that's going to be a lifelong journey mm -hmm. so that's a big one for me uh, other weaknesses? I suppose in a, in a team environment. I guess the thing I find hardest around this topic of psychological safety is that I have very high standards. We, we all have. And that's the funny thing, right? So I might say I've got high standards and then we meet someone else who would say, no, Helen's got low standards mm -hmm. because everybody thinks they've got high standards. And standards, are, standards, you know, they're your standards. So they're slightly different to the person to the left. Of course. They're not always comparable standards. So yeah. Exactly. So actually, I imagine most people would say they have high standards. It's just understanding what those standards are. So what I find difficult, and I know from workshops and coaching conversations, I'm totally not alone in this, uh, is I'm talking here about, yeah, let's create safety. Let's talk about things we struggle with. Let's talk about making mistakes, uh, but setting a high standard for quality of work that goes out to clients, uh, getting things right first time means that then when a mistake does happen, it's hard for me to not get upset, to not... Uh, feel like I've really let down that client and then go into kind of damage control mode. Uh, so yeah, I guess it's interesting to explore that psychological safety for me is about controlling that initial reaction. So I realize that I've made a mistake or someone in my team has made a mistake. My natural reaction might be to get upset, to start running around like a headless chicken trying to fix things reminding myself to stay calm and look at what we can do to fix it and then how to support that team member in learning from it and going positively forward from there that that is a self-discipline that takes work for me mm, interesting and i completely agree with you yeah well because you've seen it i've seen it yeah there you go i've been on the receiving would end. you like to give me some feedback on how i can improve i mean that's definitely true i've noticed over the years that you've moved from neurotic in your response <laughs> to mistakes to collected i'm going to use the word 
Nice. Uh, I'll take collective. Yeah, Thank you very much. This morning, in fact, where you know, there was a frank and forthright conversation about how we should manage something, and it's a much it's a much more healthy and helpful response than previously, and it certainly encourages me in terms of being able to come to you and say, actually, we've got a bit of a problem with this. Mm. Whereas before. I'd work quite hard to just bury it, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> it and that's the point, right? So I'm I'm so grateful to hear that I have moved from neurotic yeah. <laughs> to collected. Uh, still lifelong learning there to happen. I still need to improve it. Um, but the fact that you used to bury mistakes, that's what people are doing. There was this brilliant pie chart somebody used in a TED talk where they said, what do people do? What do people spend their time oh, on yeah, at work? Yeah. And like 80% was covering my ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we're so often so worried about admitting our mistakes. We're trying to bury them. We're trying to cover over what we did. We copy in the world so that it's not my responsibility if something goes mm-hmm. wrong on an email. That's exactly the point. That is evidence of a lack of psychological safety that in the past you tried to bury your mistakes to avoid having that awful conversation with me. So I'm very grateful to hear that I've improved that. Thank you. <laughs> and on that wonderful note, <laughs> where we're, we're, we're in one and everyone's happy at Totem Towers, <laughs> let's call it a day. Uh, yeah, have a great week, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon. Brilliant. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>